There is only one good reason to be Catholic. There's only one. It's true. It's true. That it is all true. If it is not all true, then we should not be here right now. It's as simple as that. In our gospel today, that is precisely the sort of yes or no, do or die scenario that Jesus sets up here at the very end of the Bread of Life discourse, where he's been talking over and over and over again how we must eat his flesh and drink his blood if we want life. If you believe, he says, then stay here with me. Walk with me. Be my intimate friend. Come to know truth, goodness, and beauty itself. Be my companion. But if you don't believe, well then there's the door right there. There's a couple of doors in the back too. There's a door over on this side for your convenience. Those doors are wide open. Nobody is stopping you from leaving. Nobody is forcing you to stay. Unless maybe you're a teenager or a kid and your parents have asked that you would be here and kind of forced you to be here. But one day you're going to have to decide. And what a great risk Jesus is taking. Think about it. He even turns to his closest friends, his apostles, the men that he has chosen from before time even existed. He chose these men to go out and share the good news of salvation with the entire world. And he asks those guys, do you also want to leave? Do you want to throw in the towel? Is this just too hard for you? Is this too much? Too demanding? Would you rather go somewhere else? Because there's the door right here. Go for it. Try to be happy without me, Jesus seems to be saying. It won't work out for you, but I want you to be free. The words that I have spoken are spirit and life. I want you to have life, but I can't force you to live. I'm amazed by the risk that Jesus is taking here, and yet he seems so calm, so unthreatened. He is so incredibly free in this moment. It's like he wants to make it very clear to the apostles, and by extension to us here today, that he's saying, you can't hurt me. You can't hurt me. You can't derail or destroy my will, even if you tried. I know exactly who I am. I know my Father. I know what His will is. And I'll carry it out, with or without you. Now I want you to be with me, He says. Of course, I, I eagerly desire that, that you be with me for all eternity. But if you don't want to be here, if you don't want me, he is saying, then there's the exit. We see the same sort of do or die, yes or no, set up in our first reading as well. When Joshua addresses the entire Israelite people, he gives them the same sort of stark choice. Decide today whom you will serve. You want to serve the gods beyond the river? 
If that's your decision, then do it. You want to serve the gods of the country that you're living in now? Go for it. If that's your choice, commit to it. I mean, they sacrificed their own children, but be my guest. Joshua seems to be prodding them, goading them on, daring them even to make a definitive choice. He's giving them the opportunity to offer their entire heart, will, and mind to the Lord, but he makes it abundantly clear. You have a choice. And as for me and my household, he says, we will serve the Lord. Here again, we see with terrible clarity, we are free to say yes to the truth, and we are also free to say no to it. I think the problem, though, today is that people are so reluctant to commit to the idea that there even is a truth, like a capital T, truth. Skepticism is the name of the game. In fact, in many ways, the very act of being skeptical is usually mistaken for being smart. If you just doubt everything, then people will start to think that you are street smart, you're sophisticated, you are a no-nonsense sort of individual, you are not gullible. That sort of thing is very attractive, isn't it? It's very, very attractive. Because as we all know, we don't want to look dumb. But we, what could be dumber, actually, is to actually have access to the truth and not believe it. That is truly the more dumb thing to do. Or perhaps worse, sometimes people will think that not believing in anything is actually the more humble thing to do. They say that if we just toss up our hands in kind of agnosticism, this sort of, well, I don't know what is true, or I don't know if I can believe in God, that somehow that is the nicest and the kindest and the humblest and the most open-minded sort of position that you could possibly choose. But here's the problem with that. The very act of not choosing, of not making a choice, is itself a choice. You can't stay on the fence forever. Either you're with the Lord and the church that he has established, or you're against him. Either he is who he says he is, or he's not. Either you serve him, or you are in fact actually serving some other god. And we call that, by its technical term, idolatry. St. Peter shows us, I think, what true humility actually looks like in our gospel today. Because when he is asked point blank, do you want to leave? Do you want to go away? Peter responds perfectly. Lord, to whom shall we go? Who else is there? What else is there? Where else is there? You have the words of eternal life, he says. And we have come to believe and we are convinced that, that you are the Holy One of God. And this is just so, so good. It's like the greatest response he could possibly have. Because let's face it, it would be easier if none of this was true. We could just go with the flow 
of the rest of the world. We wouldn't need to make time for prayer. That's really hard and inconvenient, and it's not always enjoyable. We wouldn't need to drag ourselves to church on Sunday. We could just be sitting around enjoying a quiet day off. We wouldn't need to care about anybody else but ourselves. We would just be able to take care of our own business. We wouldn't need to feel guilty about anything we ever did wrong. Be honest. Hasn't that thought crossed your mind? Man, my life would be so much easier if none of this was true. But after we have come to grips with what our faith teaches and who Jesus is, and when we come to know him and believe in him and love him, then we know deep down, to whom shall we go? Where else can we go? We can't leave you, Jesus. You're the truth. You are the answer to my heart's deepest longings. You have the words of eternal life. And even if we can't understand everything that you teach, Jesus, even if many of your sayings are really hard for us to hear, even if we feel tempted to walk out of one of the many doors you have left open to us, we believe in you. And so we stay. Joseph Ratzinger, who later would become Pope Benedict XVI, said it this way, the fundamental feature of Christian belief is its personal character. At the heart of Christianity is not just, I believe in something, but I believe in you. I believe in you, Lord. We believe in a person, the person of Jesus Christ. Truth is a person. The meaning of your life is a person. The meaning of history, the meaning of everything, is a person. But I'd like to, to push this even further. Let's get right to the heart of the Christian faith. Because what's even more mind-blowing than all of that, that this Jesus, who is the meaning of everything, the mind-blowing thing is, is that he has already chosen you. He's already chosen you. He has already loved you to the very end. So, as important as our free choice to stay is, this yes or no to the Lord, we can't lose sight of the fact that Jesus has already said, it is not you who chose me, but I who chose you. So really, our decision either to stay with him or to walk away is only a response to his choice for us first. And that's what St. Paul is ultimately getting at in our second reading this morning. Christ loved the church. He laid down his life for her, and she is now his bride forever. No one hates his own flesh, Paul says. And Jesus has made us one flesh with himself. We are now his body. That's what we always say. The body of Christ. That's what it means. Jesus has married us. He has offered us his true flesh 
and his true blood to eat and to drink in the Eucharist. We have communion with him. God himself has married, has been wed with humanity. And that is a great mystery, Paul says. That's a huge mystery. We could never get to the bottom of that. But he is speaking in reference to Christ and his church. Jesus has made his choice. You, you are his choice. And he's not changing his mind. He is committed to each and every one of you and to us as a whole, as his body. He's made his final answer. And so, the ball's in our court. Do you also want to leave? A lot of people have left already. Do you also want to leave? I hope and pray that, that our response will be like Peter's. Master, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You are the meaning of my life. There is no other. And we have come to believe and are convinced that you are the Holy One of God.